All right. Let's get our Bibles now and go to 1 Peter. And I want you to look in 1 Peter chapter number 6. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 6 is where we're going to be looking this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 6. And I want to talk to you today about unspeakable joy in suffering. The theme of the book of 1 Peter is hope in Christ through suffering. And here in these verses, verses 6 down through verse 9, Peter writes of unspeakable joy in our suffering. And I'm going to give you three headings this morning. Seasons of distress, trial by fire, and the outcome of your faith. And my hope is that you will count it all joy even when you face the various trials of life. Let's read the text and then we will pray and get to the sermon. 1 Peter 1, verse 6, God's word reads, Wherein greatly you rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable, and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for time together in the Word. We ask you to bless this time now as we look to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's begin in verse number six as we think about unspeakable joy in suffering with the heading of Seasons of Distress. And as we read this, I hope you see that Peter's tone here is certain. He says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. This is not a woe is me letter. This is not an I'm so sorry for you letter. Those condolences have their place, but this is not what Peter is saying here. This is not what he is writing about here. He's writing about the hope that we have as Christians, above the sufferings that we may face. So his opening tone here to his readers is that they are rejoicing greatly. He says, wherein you greatly rejoice. And this is even though their lives are not perfect. They are facing what he calls manifold temptations, various trials, various kinds of temptations. And there are two understandings for us here. Peter is writing to all in the church, and as a whole, there are various types and degrees of testings. Also, it is for the reader to know that life will be throwing something new at you from time to time, various things that you must face day to day. And then Peter's writing here, these trials, these various trials are causing heaviness. He says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness. You're in heaviness because of these manifold temptations. He's talking about times of grief, times of distress, that which in life robs us of our happiness, but only for a season. Seasons of distress. Words like manifold and heaviness portray the idea of something everlasting and overbearing. And Peter is sure to balance that here with the word Season. Season brings to mind words like little or few or short. 
The definition of the Greek word we put into English as season here means a relatively small quantity. Yes, you, you may be suffering now, and yes, it seems overwhelming, but be sure this is just a season in your life, and seasons change. These are big things now, but at times later, they're going to seem very small. Nevertheless, whatever our season of distress, it is certainly small in light of Christ, in light of his sufferings for us. Did you notice how Peter began in verse 6? He said, wherein? Wherein you greatly rejoice. How are Peter's readers rejoicing greatly through times of heaviness and temptation? But this word wherein backs us up to what Peter has already said leading into this. In verse 3, he says, you've been born again and you have a living hope. He writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In verse number 4, he writes that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible. It is undefiled. It is unfading. It is reserved for us. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And then in verse 5, we have this reminder that we are kept. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So because of all of this, Peter writes, that though they suffer, they can rejoice greatly. The wording is such here to imply extreme joyfulness it conveys the idea of being overjoyed which is encouraging and it and it helps us to understand verse 7 as we move forward here this trial by fire that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ peter is bringing to mind here the testing of the genuineness of faith James wrote similarly of this, using the terms living and dead faith. Peter here is going with fake or counterfeit. It is a testing. It is a trial of faith. Our strong confidence in or our reliance upon Jesus. Faith in Jesus is putting your confidence in him. It is believing in him. It is complete trust. Peter writes using refining gold by fire as his example. Gold is a precious stone. It is put through fire to remove any impurities that it may have. Through refining, it is made more and more precious. Our faith is much more precious, he says, and gold perishes, but faith does not. The end result of trying faith is that it leads to praise, honor, glory when we see Christ. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus and his disciples in a ship on the sea, they get into a great storm. And his disciples come to him worried that they might die. Jesus questioned their faith and then calmed that storm. And his disciples were left in wonder about Jesus since he could do this. I want us to consider that this morning in light of what Peter is saying here in our text. He's not making the case for us being some sort of super saint in the faith. In fact, if that's our takeaway from verse 7, then we are actually the object of our faith and not Christ then we have dead faith. We have counterfeit faith. It is to understand biblical teaching to mean that seasons of distress fix me so that I can go through more seasons of distress. This is not God's plan for us. And this is not what Peter is teaching us here as he writes 
that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Peter is actually making a case here that true that a true faith test will prove your reliance upon Christ. It will refine our tendencies to rely upon ourselves instead of Christ. And certainly as a whole, this causes us to become better in some area. But the goal is not us becoming better. The goal is for God to show us Jesus is perfect and that we are only perfected in Him. I think we can see that through that illustration of Jesus and His disciples in the boat. Do we think that the disciples in the boat with Jesus learned how to sail a boat better through that experience? Jesus was a carpenter. These guys were fishermen. They already knew how to sail a boat, even in a storm. No, what they learned was not how to sail their boat better through Jesus. They learned to trust Jesus instead of their own abilities to sail a boat. They learned what Peter writes to us here at the end of this letter. And Peter was one of those who were there. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. As Peter ends this letter here, he writes in chapter 5, verse number 6, something that I think he learned probably through that experience there on the boat in the storm. 1 Peter 5, 6, he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I believe that's what Peter did that night in the boat, in the storm, on the midst of the sea. As he came to Jesus and said, I'm afraid we're going to die from this storm. And Jesus said, peace. And he told the storm and the sea to be still. Peter learned then, I can cast all my care upon this man named Jesus. He cares for me. So Peter writes after that, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom? Him, the devil. Resist him, steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Do you see what Peter is saying here in his letter? Verse 7, he says, This trial of your faith will refine you. You're going to be tried by fire, but in the end... You'll be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So greatly rejoice now, though for a season there is heaviness through these various trials you're facing. And Peter says that because he's learned that he can cast all his care upon Jesus who cares for him. As the God of all grace, after that we've suffered a while, will make us perfect. Seasons of distress are only that. They are seasons. Still, we can have unspeakable joy because of all that God is. Our faith will face trial by fire, not only to work on us directly, but to cause us to draw closer to Jesus, to rely upon him more, which in verse 8 and 9 leads to the outcome of our faith. Peter writes, Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Peter leads into this with the idea that though we do not see Jesus, though we have never seen Jesus, we love him. 
We have strong affection for him and all that he stands for. We willingly forfeit ourselves for him, our rights, our privileges to gain him, to be on his behalf. Further believing, we rejoice in him. And this is not just your typical run-of-the-mill rejoicing. This is elation. This is extreme happiness. You greatly rejoice. Well, what could possibly lead to such a high level of joy? We don't see Jesus now, but still we praise him because we will see Jesus soon, which will leave us speechless. And at that time, faith will end. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith. Faith will finally become sight. This is the end. This is the outcome of our faith as we receive the salvation of our souls. This is not to say that we are unsaved or only partially saved now, but just to say that we po- what we possess by faith now will have in hand then. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Right now we live still under the sin curse, but we look forward to that day when sin's curse is lifted. Right now we live through grief and tears, and we look forward to that day where every tear will be wiped from our eyes. And right now we have faith toward this end, but on that day our faith will become sight. Oh, we can sing it as well with our souls because of that faith that we have that one day this faith will become sight. This is unspeakable joy in suffering. This is our hope in Christ. This is how a believer can say, praise you God, though in a time of deep grief. It is how we can thank God for the sunshine and the, and the rain in our lives. It is the understanding that things which come into our life that we don't like are good. If only in that they draw us closer to Jesus Christ. Spurgeon said, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Sinner, I encourage you this morning to have faith and receive God's gift of himself through the forgiveness of your sins. But saint, I encourage you to have faith that will bring heaven to your soul, even in the midst of hell on earth. There will be seasons of heaviness in life, but these are only seasons. And seasons change. But as Christians, we can have unspeakable joy even in such times. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful that we can gather like this and study your word. And Lord, in in such times, we're thankful for your word and what it can say to us. So Lord, we ask for your comfort. We ask for your help as only you can bring it. In Jesus' name, amen.